podcast. As always, it's Joe and Jack, your hosts. Uh, we'll be talking about West Ham's 1-0 win over Olympiacos on Thursday, our 3-2 win over Forest on Sunday, and thank God we handled business this week like we said we would because I did not want to get on here and talk about losing one of those games. Oh, man. Oh, man. That was like two like really like heart-wrenching games. For mo- Had for- to have them. Honestly, Had like, to have like, them. it would have been nice if, you know, at least one of them could be comfortable, but that's what we signed up for, I guess. With the hammers. Um, yeah, starting on Thursday, I, I enjoyed that performance. I mean, like, I didn't think that we played well or anything like that, but it's one of those where you like grind it out, get the job done. Um, and I'm blanking on Olympio coast manager name right now, but I came to realize like in the week that passed that he's, um, He's a damn good manager. I forgot about him. He was at a. They might have said on the commentary too. He was at Granada a few years ago in Spain. Got them promoted to La Liga. Took them to a Europa League quarterfinal, I believe, in 2020. Um. So yeah, it's like, it to me like obviously we knew Olympiacos were like an established like European side that would be difficult to deal with. But to me, that really legitimizes both of those games because you're, you're up against somebody who clearly is like at the level tactically that is needed to be in Europe and to be in the top five league. So it makes it, I guess, more like acceptable that we lost in Greece, especially with the team that we played. Yeah, I mean they they gave us 180 minutes of of you know of a battle, which they yeah. did give us a battle. I mean Freiburg was like the team. That was like pinned out to be the one that we should be watching out for, but they we gave us problems more, too. Yeah, but we just we were. I mean, the scoreboard suggests, but we were much more equipped to dispatch Freiburg as we were Olympiacos. But I mean, with 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 Olymp- with the home end of the Olympiacos, um, you know, this past Thursday, I thought it was like a pretty controlled. Result we didn't create much, but at the same time the Olympiacos didn't have much, so we it had did feel um, like it was like a inevitability. I was like yeah. concerned, but I was like, you know, what? I, I I still feel like we'll get it done. We'll get it done. We'll get it done. And then yeah, yeah. What I was starting to say, not to cut you off, was that um, there was one stretch probably after halftime, probably like the fiftieth, like the sixtieth minute. I don't know if I'm remembering this totally correctly, but they they like started kind of getting out on the break more and like really looking kind of dangerous. Um, and I wish that we didn't have a whole other game in between because I think there's one moment. It was probably it was Paqueta and War Prowse who really around like the 60th minute kind of turned it up mm-hmm. because yeah. War Prowse had been a passenger that whole game. Paqueta could not stop giving the ball away. And when those two like this is a separate point because this has happened a few times with these two. When they're both not playing well, it's a recipe for such a disaster in midfield because, like, you have one guy who just refuses to change anything about the game with the ball at his feet, just has no no intention of doing anything with the ball. And then you have this other guy who thinks he's – I don't know who he thinks he is, but he can't stop giving the ball away. And then, you know, you take into the fact Paqueta gets all, you know, he gets in his head, he loses the ball. Either he's, like, really working for it to get back or he's, like, kind of, like, it comes, like, you, it usually happens when he tries it a few times and he gets tired and then he can't drag back and then War Prowse isn't athletic enough. It's just a recipe for disaster when they both aren't playing well. But that's a tangent, sorry. Um, we, but I thought that they were the reason that we won the game, which is fitting that it was the two match winners. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we talked about Paqueta uh, on Sunday privately, and we were talking about how he kind of gets like lost in like he gets like lost in the game where he kind of just like mm-hmm. is like focusing on like like the individual battles on the pitch. He's playing like three different games at once every week. Every he's play- three days, play- he's got like somebody on the other team. He's got a vendetta with. He's got yeah. the side, the, the, like the the touch, like you know, the sideline. <laughs> yeah, he's got the he's got the, the assistant referee. He's got the assistant referee. 
He's got at least one midfielder. He's got the actual game, and he's got whatever pass he's decided this week that he wants to complete. <laughs> he just like fixates on. <laughs> he's he has hyper fixations, and you can see it. Do you remember the Villa? I mean, the Villa game. The Villa I think game was, he was was the worst. Like <laughs> he was like like border like he was like stimming. He was like. <laughs> <laughs> With that vertical pass, Antonio, he just couldn't stop. Well, I think like it was partially like a tactical, like decision by Moyes. Like we're gonna go over. They want to play this high line. We'll go over the top. But I think that Paqueta just took it to a whole different level because he would pick the ball up right, and he do that little thing that he does when he receives it on the turn and like drags the ball with him, and he turns and looks up. And he would just play this curled ball behind the Villa center backs every time. <laughs> and it, and he, and he did it. it. Dude, he did it for like <laughs> fucking 15 minutes. And that was the 15 minutes that we lost the game. It's crazy. Man. He, All I, of that to say, he is an unbelievable player. And I, I will be distraught the day that he leaves. We, yeah, we, we love him for, for everything. Like literally, I was thinking about it today. I, I honestly like he's the most enjoyable player I've ever had the the privilege of rooting for, but for all of the flaws and just so much he's so much just character to his game. That's we'll what never, it is. We'll never see anything like this again. And that's what. But see, that's the thing that we were talking about. That's what makes him so West Ham. You know what I mean? Is like mm-hmm. like those the same way that nothing is ever simple with us. Like we have this player with like arguably the most pure talent, like technical ability talent we've ever seen at this club. Obviously Rice turned into the absolute joke that he is. Pyatt, you know, he's the one. But just from the standpoint of like what he can kind of do with a ball and making it look so easy and like he's not even trying, it's all the other things that make him West Ham. Because – He's always he's he's throwing himself at the ground, and he's just being. I don't know if there's any really nice. He's being a bastard all the time. Yeah. Well, he's being more of something else, but like that's a better word to use. He's just he he truly fascinates me. He makes me at a loss for words because he'll have you pulling your hair out one minute, and then he'll have you bowing down to him the next minute. It's 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 nothing. It's like nothing I've ever watched before. And and for all the his paradoxical, you know, behavior on the pitch, he he really does love West Ham, which is like the coolest part. Like at the end of the day, that is the coolest part. He like gets himself lost in these little squabbles during the game, but at the end of the day, like, well, because loves being at West Ham. That's the thing about him, and like obviously, like he's gonna want to go to City again if they come in again, because that's just how it works. He's a Brazilian; he doesn't owe us anything, and that's a dream move. And Pep will take all of the character out of his game and make him another robot. And he'll be probably a better footballer for it. Damn good robot. Yeah. Um, but I think that's like what like what I'm saying about like what makes him West Ham is like he will feed off the fans and the fans kind of feed off of him. Like when he's like being a dickhead on the pitch and he's like putting his foot on top of the ball. Like the, the Chelsea game earlier this season is a perfect example. The last 30 minutes of that game, nobody could touch him. And he's, you know, stalling himself at the ground. He's putting his foot on the ball. He's shoving people off the ball, you know, like against Arsenal. He's doing the step overs and stuff. And the crowd get all excited by that and they get with him. And he feels the crowd behind him. And with the crowd behind him, he just feels like he can do something even more ridiculous the next time he touches the ball. And even more ridiculous the next time he touches the ball. It's crazy. Dude, the rainbow flick off the the, the, rain, the rainbow flick is the craziest thing, dude. To attempt the rainbow flick. On a defender, uh, it, was it Martinelli? It was like it was one of the wingers. Vieira. It was Vieira. And somebody who really wants no part of coming anywhere near you. And like is not giving you the opportunity to do that. It's crazy. Exactly. It's crazy. He, and it's the he, most telegraphed thing I've ever seen too. He he did it with the full intention of losing the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the little – and then he fouls him after he gives it away. That's the best part is that he just fucking brings him down. He um, but then the funniest part about it to me, that rainbow flick, is the little body faint that he does before <laughs> he flicks it. Because it's like nobody thinks like you're. First of all, your body fainting out of bounds. 
<laughs> second of all, nobody thinks you're going that way. Nobody thinks you're going right. Like, we all see what you're about to do. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What and kudos is, like, the perfect little compliment for him because he'll start doing his little keepy-uppies. And you see uh, – it was it was the Olympiacos game when Paquetta was doing his keepy-uppies, right? In the middle of the pitch. For no reason, by the way. He has his back to goal. He's in our third. And he's just keeping the ball up. And he gets fouled, which is fine. And then he's rolling around again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible, dude. I literally, bro, if I had to watch a player like him play against my team and they were on it that day, I would be furious. Thank God he was never doing anything like this against us. They, they, they never had the chance to, dude. Well, they the never one, led. They never led. The one thing that I that I vividly remember of Paqueta is is him and Bowen like like chasing after a ball in like a fifty fifty, and Paqueta just absolutely bodying Bowen. I don't remember shoulder. that. It was like towards the end of the game, and they were like, it, like the ball was like rolling <laughs> out of bounds, and That's like funny, Bowen dude. got totally blown off his path, and I was like, oh, like and that was like at one one, I was like, oh. Like this team, like <laughs> this like, team is over. serious. It's gonna be tough when we go back. <laughs> like this guy's really good. He didn't start. <laughs> we beat him three 0 and then we bought him. That that fake COVID. He knew exactly what he was doing. He came off the bench. Remember, he like got the false positive. Oh my god! <laughs> he did, bro. Didn't he? Yeah, that's why he didn't Yo, start. He is like. He is such an enigma, dude. Like, like because of course he got a false positive. You know what I mean? Right. Like, of course it was Lucas Paqueta. It's not never known that guy. But with uh, with Ward Prowse, like I know we got off like on that huge like love fest for Paqueta. Dude, well that's what it's all about. I mean, he scored twice this week when he's giving you output too. And just one last thing on him. So, in about like the 92nd minute, right? 91st minute. I'm like thinking about match ratings a little bit. And I'm like, you know, like, like I don't know who I'll give man a match to today, but I'm like, man, Paqueta is like really like, he's just playing his little flicks around the corner. He's been so good for us. Like back out, back out left, by the way, which I said I was getting sick of. He looked awesome. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Really awesome. Um, and I'm like, you know, like, yeah, maybe, maybe like I get back on this like little Paqueta thing that I used to do at the end of last season, like, you know, bump him up because it's just so nice to watch. I'm like, I'll give him a nine. Maybe I'll give him a man in the match. <laughs> Dude, the last five minutes, I dropped him like a whole point in my head. I was furious. And then like, <laughs> and I still gave him a man in the match because I, I almost like felt bad. But I should. It should have been Ward Prowse or a Gary. Because, dude, what is he doing? He's just like a troll. He's dude, just- dude, we did two goals. It was five two. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't get I don't get it. I just the the one, it. or I was gonna say the one that I really don't get, but maybe the other. One. I'm just gonna do both. So the first one is. He <laughs> is through. Defenders close him down, and Warprouse and Bowen are both in on goal. There's nobody around them. All he has to do is slide it in. Pause. Um, and he is like, no, nah, like, I'm going to run to the corner flag. And it's like, ugh, like, so annoying, but like, fine. Like, do what you got to do. And I, I don't know if he gets bored. I don't know if he gets distracted. I don't know if he has like a sudden urge that he can't, like, set. Like, I don't. He needs to go to therapy, dude. He might be, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but he might be on the spectrum. No, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just, like, has to figure out, like, what's like what's going on. He might, like, like imagine if we had, like, Adderall Paqueta. Dude. <laughs> that's what Pep's going to do to him, bro. He's going to put him on, like, ADHD meds. <laughs> um, But, yeah, and then he plays it. And, I, I honestly, I might have blacked out at that point. I, that was, I was so angry. Um, the passer Antonio is just bad, which is fine. He does that so much though, mm-hmm. where he can play a simple pass and he tries to, like first time it, like, like please stop, man. <laughs> and then the the one that blows my mind the most, which I don't know if this is one of the ones that people talk about or what, 
Van Antonio gets played through. I haven't watched this back yet. I want to watch it back because I'm I'm convinced that he's not offside. I just from I am, from yeah, just like plain view. I thought he was on onside too. I'm convinced that he's onside. And I think I don't know if Antonio played it played it back. The ball gets over to Paqueta. He's in a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. The assistant referee has his flag up. I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, the like a, a head official has not blown his whistle yet. And Paqueta's like looking at the goalkeeper, puts his foot on the ball, and then puts his arm in the air to tell the goalkeeper that the flag is up for offside. <laughs> Dude, I was going to kill him. Like... Put the ball in the net. He just who cares? Because if it goes in, like, like what if it wasn't offside? He just loves closing games. Like, like there's nothing more that he loves in the whole world than than wasting time at the end of the game. He does, but like, put in the net. I I wish I really do wish he did because I feel like it would have gotten overturned. But (laughs) dude, I'm like I'm so I'm I'm actually I'm gonna watch it back. After we're done recording, and I'm gonna figure out if he's onside or if he's offside because it's ridiculous. It's actually like it's so crazy to me that he did not put the ball in that. It that that one's the craziest one to me. Because what what footballer have you ever seen that has a chance to shoot and hit the net, onside <laughs> or offside? Or you want to talk about basketball after the whistle? How many times do you guys shoot? Every time. Who have you ever seen in any sport who's not who's like I'm not gonna have this ball hit this net? He is. You can't get into his mind. There's no way to rationalize his thinking. He's just. He's just him. He he is unapologetically him, which is why we've been saying we love him. But that that one, that, <laughs> that's the one. That that's the one I really don't get. Because like, shoot, shoot. <laughs> Shoot, man, shoot. But you, you were saying about Warprouse before I got off on another tangent. Yeah, I, I thought he had a I thought he had a pretty good week. He had a great all. week. Yeah. I mean if you're counting set pieces, great, great week. But I'm, ca- like, I'm counting them. Just like because you know, we've talked a lot about his general play, which has definitely been lacking. I thought this week was pretty good. I mean he had the open play assist. And then that that pass to Paqueta is like exactly what you want. What to he do. needs to be doing, mm-hmm. he, he needs to be like operating and making like decisive pass, like incisive passes in the final third. I want him to move the ball quicker, and like if he's not gonna like break a line or anything, that's fine. But I want him to like move it quick and like get it wide, or like just you know create different angles for different players. Like he doesn't move it quick enough for me. He doesn't move it far enough for me. Like he doesn't like even like sideways passes, it's all fine. But if you're gonna make a sideways pass, like move it quick and like have the defense shift and move in their shape, like make them work. He doesn't ever make teams work when he's not playing well. Mm-hmm. Is what I should say. He he just never is asking questions of the opposition. It's it's like Flynn Downs out there. Yeah. Sometimes. But I, I thought I thought this week showed a pretty decent improvement for what it's worth. Yeah. Um if you're wondering why I'm making faces, I'm looking. I'm gonna find it later. I was looking, and I just I saw the one where he didn't play, and he already threw. And then I saw the clip where he uh, jumped for a header without looking for the ball. Who is this? Paqueta. Oh, oh, oh! When he wins the ball late in the like, which one are you talking about? He like goes up for a header, like kind of wins it. It goes back up, and he goes up the challenge for a second header, but he doesn't look at where the ball is. He just jumps into the guy on Forest. <laughs> I think you're talking about for like the one of the last breaks when he just. Oh like, yeah, the the one that he didn't play Bowen and Warprouse yeah. in. That it's it's insane. Suchek is like literally pointing. Paqueta sees him. Um. Something that does stand out to me about WordPress's open play. I'm going to put my phone away from me so I don't start looking for this again. Because I could fixate on that for the rest of the night. Um, with WordPress, I think that he's at his best when he's like allowed to press more. Mm-hmm. 
And it's kind of a difficult dilemma for Moyes because I think that while not everybody may agree, and like I don't think I agree that much, but I understand why he does it. Because in possession, you probably want Suchek higher than WordPress. Like even if WordPress is better than himself deep, he's like Suchek is worse than WordPress deep and arguably better than him further forward. So I understand that part of it. Um, it's out of possession where like it kind of drives me crazy if Suchek's the higher one. Uh, but it's like obviously difficult to like consistently be able to switch, um, switch that. But what I was saying was I think that we see a lot of the best of Ward Prowse like out of possession, like when he's able to press and like try and jump in the passing lanes. And I think his best going forward is when he's able to be like another runner, another body going forward on the break. It's mm-hmm. like something that he does really well. It's something that he did well when Piquetta doesn't play that pass. It's something he's done well for his goal against Brighton. Um, why do I not remember his other goal right now? Oh, against City, it's something he did well for his goal yeah. against City. Like this is like where we see the best of him. Um, and I think that in the second halves, particularly against Forrest and against um, Olympiacos, I thought he was fine all day against Forrest. But again, I thought his second half was really good um, is when he's able to show off that pressing. There was a moment in uh, the Forrest game where he won the ball back high. And then like after that, his passing became a little bit more sharper, in my opinion. Uh, and that was more just like us growing into it. He got his assist from the corner. Um, so I think that confidence was just flying, and he was taking a lot of corners. So he's seeing a lot of the ball. In the second half. They, well, it was it was one after the other. It was incredible. Man, we like, should have scored like five or six. I mean, Suchek should have a hat trick. Suchek also, I don't know if you noticed, um, before the corner from the regular free kick, the save yeah. <laughs> took that off Kudus's foot. Did he really? Not not that not that he would have any way to know that Kudus is coming in and is like literally getting ready to like tap the ball home. He has no way to know that. So mm-hmm. he should head it. But dude, I was hands on head. I was like, oh. damn, I didn't realize. And, and, yeah. and Suchek's header was really good too, actually. Yeah. I, I think he should score, but that's just because of how good he is in those situations. I mean, he, he made it into a difficult save, which is really all you can ask for. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get heading it down, but I, I think that he also thinks he should do better with that. I think he kind of took off at the ball at a weird angle. He was like leaning into it instead of like mm-hmm. throwing himself into it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to complain about it, but I was just like, cause like another Kudu's goal would have been fun. Oh, for sure. For sure. And they'll, they'll, they'll come. It's a long season. He will get plenty. Um, I think it's pretty big for us that Suchek's on three Premier League goals already though. And he's oh, got yeah. a, he's got five in all competitions. If I'm not wrong, did he score two? No, 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 that was Kudus, him, and an own goal in the first Europa League game against TSC. I think so. Either way, I think he's, he's five oh, goals. No, no, Kudus technically had a brace in that game. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember now. Um, so he's got five goals in all competitions. If we have a Suchek who's putting the ball in that, and by the way, um, two of the three Premier League goals are from open play. Um, if you have a version of Suchek that's putting the ball in the net, it helps you out so much because it, I mean, obviously spreading the goals around at any point is good, but Kudus and Bowen are the two who are really there to put the ball in the net. Piquetta, you want as much output as possible and you really need it to help support those guys because Antonio, his job isn't mainly to score goals. Like it'd be great if he scored more. But Suchek just being another threat to score like just lessens the load on players like Kudus and Bowen. And for us, obviously as good as Bowen has been, and it's looking like he might have a legit 20-goal season, for clubs like us, if we want to like get into Europe, you need a lot of guys chipping in because clubs like us don't have people putting the ball in the net 20 times and then another winger putting the ball in the net 10 or 15 times. Mm-hmm. Which, you know... <laughs> We might mess around and have. On, on, at this point, we might. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and with Suchek, it's beyond the goals because when the goals are coming, he looks more comfortable out there just in every facet of the game. And I think we've seen that. He's uh, most confident wanna, he's looked in a long time. If you want to compare just his passing 
from this year to last year. Last year he was for he was afraid to look at his his own reflection. This mm-hmm. year he's he's playing one time passes passes down the line like forward passes. It's not always accurate, but he's 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 looking for them and he's not he's not shying away from the ball anymore. Which I, he's which he's confident. He's um he's the Suchek not to the same level because I think this is the best passing game he's ever had for us. Um, leads away in the black kits. Ben Rama's first start for us. That Suchek that day was probably the best I've ever seen him pass the ball for us. But it's that level of confidence and that willingness to play a first time pass or, you know, like maybe switch the play here or like pass it forwards. Like I mm-hmm. saw a stat and we can talk more about where Prowse later and about how like he brings a lot of good. And there are also things that he kind of holds us back on. Suchek's playing the ball forwards more often than where Prowse is. Yeah. And he's playing, he's playing deep too. I mean, he's playing forward. I mean, yeah. Uh, so really, really good stuff from Suchek. I, I, I as as low as I've been on Suchek for the since he got here. Really, um, <laughs> you were talking about selling him for forty million during the purple patch, and you were right to an extent. I mean, shoot me down, but I was saying sell him and go for Basuma that first year. <laughs> um, that would have been that crazy. Was, that was before the allegations, so I'm good. Yeah, 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 you're you're good. You're good. Um. But yeah, as 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 down as I've ever been on him is as high as I am right now. He's he's close to undroppable in my eyes. Yeah, he's close, and you know the only thing that makes him undrop not undroppable is Warpass's set pieces and the fact that Moyes is not going to drop Warpass. Yeah, um, like that reality, and the fact that so many people need to get into this eleven. But one thing I want to say, and people can argue with me if they want, and I just want to make this clear. And I, you know, I probably shouldn't bring up this guy's name because we're past that. As much as I think that there are times where we really look like we miss him, don't say the D word. I'm gonna say the D word. Suchek's struggles were never because of Declan Rice. I just disagree with that wholeheartedly. I do think that it helps him a lot when he has somebody sitting deeper because of his athletic limitations. Um. But to the, the the extent that his game fell off as Rice looked a bit further forward because we wanted Rice further forward because he's a better passer of the ball and did help us a lot until it became too reliant um, at the beginning of last season. Like he, somebody that's as good as Suchek, his game should not fall off the way that it did. And it's not like he didn't get forward as much. I think that the bigger issue is people are saying Suchek was asked to sit back and Rice was asked to go forward. I think if that was the case, that Suchek would have been fine. I think the issue is that they were asked to share that responsibility and kind of mm-hmm. each go up and down and like kind of hand off the baton to each other. And I don't think Suchek could hang with Rice athletically enough to do that. But that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty interesting perspective on it. I think he has um, less space that he's responsible for now. I just, I, I think it's, it's, it might just be simpler than that. I think it might be just be Ward Prowse, like getting him easy goals or easy chances off the corners and, and getting him more just, but he was playing confident. well, but he was playing well before he even put a, hit a head on a word prowse corner. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that just the amount of space that he's responsible for is much less now than it ever was before, partly because Alvarez sits. And another reason is because we're playing three midfielders in there and we're playing Paqueta effectively next to Ward Prowse on that side because of Ward Prowse's athletic um, limitations, Paquette is able to kind of tuck in and help. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that like kind of keeping Suchek, he was overextended is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, having said all that praise about Suchek, looking far ahead to the Burnley game, even though I didn't think Antonio's cameo was very great, I'd be very tempted to go back to that four four two that we used against um, uh, Brentford, and with Alvarez as one of the midfielders, and with Paquetta on the left of it. This guy's yawning. For anybody wondering where the response is, <laughs> long day. sorry, sorry, everyone. No. sorry, I'm like, Um. I don't know. I, I 
I struggled to to change the team that we played on Sunday, honestly. Because who do you drop for Antonio? Suchek, probably. I mean, that, that that's like basically what it's going to be now is I think that we have like a first 12. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of up to Moyes to decide when he wants to do this 4-3-3 thing and when he wants to do a 4-4-2 thing. I thought Bowen was way too isolated against Forrest, and I think that will be the case sometimes with this team because Paqueta's obviously not going to get near him. Um, I do think in the second half we made adjustments. We kind of like had him and Kudus like kind of shade over near each other more and allow Bowen to touch the ball more on the right. I thought he was touching it a lot on the left in the first half, which was kind of gross, and it was just him trying to get involved. Um, I think in the second half, between Ward-Prowse and Suchek, whichever midfielder had to be closer to him, did get closer to him. Um, but in general, my concern before that game, the only one was really that, okay, Bowen might be really isolated here. And he was, yeah, I, and he still finds a way to score because that's who he is. But um, I think Burnley have a really soft center. So if you go with Bowen and Antonio, we could really eat them alive. And I think that with Burge in that midfield, you kind of almost you want Suchek in there because of Sander Burge. And then that kind of becomes, well, what do you do with Ward-Prowse? Do you, you drop him for this game? I don't know. Well, Ward-Prowse is never going to be dropped. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like the Bowen thing, like obviously he was as isolated as you get in that first half. He, he, was, he was just not involved in the game in, in, in terms yeah. of being in possession. But I think that it's something that just needs to be worked out over time. That's you also know, true. Like that is also true. He he's playing in a, in a brand new position essentially. Like he's played there a couple times now, but it's still a learning process, not only for him but for the rest of the team. Uh, he is different you know. to Antonio. He does a lot of the running, but he's not as much of a target to his feet as Antonio was. Ex- exactly. Like they they're gonna want the ball in different positions, and they're gonna be instinctively playing passes they would to Antonio, but to Bowen and it, and it not coming off. So I think it just needs to be worked out in terms of like chemistry wise between these players. Um, but I, I, I think that it's Suchek is so important. I agree. No, I agree. I agree. Um, for the record, I think that he'll go unchanged against Burnley. Cause from Moy's point of view, even though two of the goals are set pieces, he'll be like, we scored three and we scored three against Arsenal. This is working. Exactly. Which is a fine way to look at it because because it, it, it is working. It is working. And, and honestly, I'm of, I'm of the same opinion. Like these are like these are our best eleven players on the on the field, probably. Um, and I just for what it's worth, if I were to play four four two against Burnley, I would probably drop Ward Prowse, which is incredibly harsh. I think that to drop any player is incredibly harsh, and as bad as Antonio has been. Lovely. I think it's kind of harsh to leave him out in some ways, especially when you know for a fact what he can give Bowen. And I think mm-hmm. with how much Moyes has talked about um, Bowen as a striker, just really from the preseason on, he's talked about it. Um, and with a lot of what we saw in preseason, I think I think that we were going to get a pretty decent amount of Skamaka Bowen like a yeah. partnership because no matter what anybody wants to say Moyes loves Skamaka as a player he did not stop praising him until the day he left and he tried to keep him he tried to convince him to stay not that you wanted to believe that <laughs> but he did X said he did um, and he used that a lot in preseason I think the thought process behind it makes sense because Bowen's going to do all that running that Skamaka refuses to do yeah it was a shame because those two really did work together really well. They do complement um, each other. But, uh, but like my point being, like Antonio is still a big striker who can hold the ball up and can link play in his own way. And Bowen, I think, will and like can and will benefit from playing with him in the future. I don't think that we've seen the last of uh, Bowen and Antonio together up top. Yeah, no, they 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 absolutely will at at some points, but I, I guess performance wise, Antonio is really the only player that is like giving you a reason, giving you a reason to bench them. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like maybe tactically, 
um, you know, you want Antonio providing that support for Bowen or vice versa. Um, but you're dealing with a lot of guys that are just on such crazy form and are like the reason why we've had a pretty decent start. Um, yeah. But Antonio is so part I, of that too. But he's also been a part of us losing three games in a row. He had a pretty, pretty yeah. Decent, so was uh, number fourteen. Number fourteen just played in his first Premier League win as a starter. Number fourteen. Number fourteen is. Come Lewis? on, yeah, yeah. Oh. he should be wearing eleven, bro. He would look tough with the eleven. Yeah, why is he fourteen? Because we were signing Lingard. Dude, if he changes, can you imagine, like, just theoretically, like, Paquetta stays so the 10 is not open or anything. Imagine he changes to 11 next offseason. I will lose my mind. Well, he won't because Lingard will be here. Oh, yeah, yeah, you think, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's still available, bro. Like, he's not, like, yeah, tied down to a contract. He did not get up by a Saudi club. What is he doing, man? He's... He's not getting paid. He's 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 in a bad place right now. Honestly, like he's like, like let's, let's pray for him. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's doing okay, man. Like I hope he's all right, bro. Like he went all the way to Saudi for a month, and they were like, "Wait, like we don't have a spot for you." Yeah, how did he not leave with a contract? What the, what's they didn't. They, they they like didn't like want to match his wage or something, or they didn't have like a foreign slot open or something like that. I don't know what it was, but he just, yeah, he just didn't. It's November 13th. He doesn't have a club. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Man. Maxwell Cornet better watch his damn back, bro. <laughs> Imagine we loan Ings. We have a homegrown spot available. Hopefully, it was like form or something. Yeah. <laughs> January 1st. Danny Ings goes to Fulham, right? Let's go. January 9th, Maxwell Cornet leaves. Goes to Everton. Sean Deitch reunited. Um, nice. January 16th, Jesse Lingard comes to you and he says, Hey, is it cool, is it cool if I, uh, like you, have, you have spots available, like you can still sign a striker, you know? I'll come on an incentive based deal, you know, a little calm base wage. Do you do it? Do do you in January? Do you do, would you would you welcome Jesse Lingard back with open arms? <laughs> Which, by the yeah. way, for anybody listening, this is not a serious question to that much of an extent because I'll give you a serious answer. Yeah. I'm being well, I'm I'm seriously asking. You. Yeah, dude, I would I would welcome him back. Like for the same reasons I was ready to take him back in the summer. I just see no reason not to. If there if there's a space for him, he should be on a team. I'll be I'd be happy to have him. Be happy. I still to have can't him. believe that didn't happen. He'll be back in time to score against Arsenal at the bowl in the league. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, if it were up to me, if it were up to me, you know what? You know what he deserves more than maybe anybody else on our squad. A West Ham United Europa League appearance. He, he started this. This whole he thing. Built he, built he built this. He built this. Everything we see, everything we've enjoyed, he gave, he has given to us. He at least deserves one sub appearance. Dude, and by the way, not only did he get us in the Europa League in the first place, and you know, is the reason that we've had this run in Europe. He scored the goal. That was the difference between the Europa League and the Conference League. His goal, his goal at the London Stadium for Manchester United is the reason that we played in the Conference League and not the Europa League. Yeah. He's insane. His tentacles have reached literally (laughs) every single thing that has happened. His fingerprints, dude, are over this as much as David Moyes' as much as Stecklin Rice's. Like this is this is him, dude. That's crazy. The the role that he's played. Because if you can remember some of the discourse that even just me and you had 
when he was signing. Do you remember what you said to me? I bet that you yes. did. Yes, of course I remember. I remember exactly where we were, like the steps that we were walking on. I, as do I. I remember exactly where we were. And I said, what if Jesse Lingard just scored every game? What if he just <laughs> went on a ridiculous tear? Would you sign him like permanently? And you were like, no. Nah. <laughs> and you know what, dude? You know what? You know what? <laughs> David Moyes agreed with me. No, he didn't, bro. Yes, he did. He said not for twenty five million. Not for twenty five million. <laughs> and you know what? You know what the fucked up part was? I was right there with him. I said not for twenty five million. Boy, boy, was I wrong. If we had spent that twenty five million on Jesse Lingard instead of Nico Vlasic, man, we would have won the Europa League. We would have won everything. We would have been in the Champions League, dude. He needs to come back and score the winner in Dublin. We are all owed that. <laughs> Society needs that. This script. That is such a special script right there. What were we talking about before Lingard? I don't know, man. We've been getting on these tangents about these guys. We're talking about something. Probably talking about like the Bowen, not the Bowen, like Antonio and if he should be in the team. And... We should about Jared Bowen. And how he's addicted to scoring goals. And he has a problem. And he needs to seek immediate assistance. <laughs> because no business scoring in that game. Yeah. Just didn't for, take part. Or has I, I guess that's the markings of a damn good striker. Is that regardless of their involvement in the rest of the game, they, they're always good for one. You know what the crazy thing about him is? He's scored from a handful of corners now. At, during his time at West Ham, like you think about, there's the one against the Leeds uh, in 21-22. I think he scored from a corner. Scored from a corner against Brentford. It was like a rebounded out, and he like hit it back in. Now he scored from a yeah. corner against Forest. I think maybe there's one more. We had him taking them for so long. I was thinking mm-hmm. that, and like I know he can take them, and I know he's little, but. Somebody like with his eye for goal, like thank God, like he's never gonna take another corner. Dude, the the way he got up and like that header for for as high as he got to place that header so perfectly in the corner. Yeah, like it's it's one of those where it's like, okay, it's like a free header or whatever. But like those center backs aren't like that's that's a true goal scorer's header, and the, the leap is crazy. I've never seen him get up that high before. He never has yeah, gotten no. up that high before. He only got and, up that high because he was pissed you remember they were giving those fouls against him i've never seen him so angry after he scored that goal he's been getting angry recently hell yeah it's those damn kids they'll drive you crazy (laughs) (laughs) but i mean like you you see guys like meet headers at the apex all all the time and they always like put over the bar had it you know wide yeah that's not forget bro Perfect. Yeah, Aguirre, you see it every damn game. You could have a, you could be the golden boot right now. He loves it, dude. He's he's um after Bowen, he's he's underrated hands on head man because he's another one. <laughs> because like Bo- Bowen, Bowen has his hands on his head like like Kudus could like fucking just take a shot from like thirty five yards out and Bowen be like pushing his hair back, <laughs> like looking to the heavens, like all right, Jared, like it's fine. <laughs> Like everything is a chance to that guy, um, but a Garrett is another one where he'll he'll head it from a corner, right, and then he'll look around the stadium and everybody like he's stunned that he missed that, like he can't believe it. Like, oh, <laughs> like my career is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yo, all right, man, like like hit the net, okay? <laughs> like <laughs> then we can look around, like like you're shocked that you missed that. Because it's always like it's always like he heads it, and then after he misses, he realizes how good of a chance it was. That that's what it is every time. It's like he doesn't realize like how great of an opportunity to score he just had until it's passed, and then he's like, he's like, dude, what what have I done? <laughs> I've let my team down. It's always that look of what have I done? Oh yeah, he let his team down plenty this year, but he's great week this week. Another guy. He's great dude, week. I mean. Fuck the week. He's the last two games. Um, I thought he was. There's another game I thought he was really good in. Who did we play last week? Well, not Brentford. Actually, I think he was fine against. He like he, he's been like the form has been coming. Um, 
even like as far back as Everton and Newcastle, if you really want to be crazy, because there's yeah. the whole thing with the foul. And, you know, like he, the mistakes he made and like with how good we are, obviously the fan base is always going to need somebody to kind of single out. Um, but I think it's going under the radar how much better he's been over the last few weeks. Because if he can start putting this form together and Zuma can get his body right over this international break, because I did watch their first goal back. I don't know what the hell he's doing. I don't know. Like, I don't know why Zuma is not that he dude. He, I don't know if he was jogging. I don't know if he couldn't run. I think it was a combination of both. I think that he didn't think Ariel was going to make that save. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, Zuma has to just get back there and be alive to that rebound and clear it. So he's at fault for that one as much as Kudus and Suchek are. But yeah, if we can get a Garrett firing on all cylinders, Zuma's as reliable as they come. Maybe we can stop conceding goals, especially if we go back to this three-man midfield thing because we're conceding way too many goals right now. Definitely, definitely. But... um. Shout out to Moyes to keep this first staying with Aguirre, honestly. Yeah. When when the calls were coming for him to get dropped from Avapanos, I I think that that's already been paying off for him. I and you know, I think that we we talked about this. I think for Moyes, we never really had a setback for last year. We never had a group that had played like every game together last year and that was the four and they knew what everybody's movement was going to be. They were like that, they were, you know, telekinesis type vibe. Yeah. Um, and I think for Moyes, like seeing how, you know, Kufal's had a few down games here and there, but overall he's done well. Garrett's like had some serious struggles and, you know, Zuma like had his little injury and even, you know, Ariola to an extent, not that I ever thought Moyes would drop him because once he makes that decision, he has to stick with it. But like there were nervy moments in August. Um, I think for Moyes, the huge thing for him was picking that four or five who are going to be back there and sticking with them and allowing them to become a unit on their own. And I think yeah. that now that Aguirre is starting to come good, hopefully after this international break, we can start to see like some clean sheets, some really good defensive performances come, especially if the three in midfield in front of them are together too because they seem to already go playing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, part of that um, that gelling process also has to do with Ariola. Like, he has to, you know, become more comfortable with, like, you know, calling stuff out and communicating he with those guys. He needs to be better at that. I thought uh, Aguirre was going to rip his head off against Forrest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't – and them two, those are the two that where they have the most issues with the uh, – Yeah, it's not really Zuma and Ariola. It's really Aguirre. It's Aguirre and Ariola. And it's um, – it also makes you think, because obviously we know Fabianski is good at uh, organizing his defense, but it makes you think how big of a role Fabianski played in having a Garrett settle as mm-hmm. you know as quickly as he did last year, especially coming in midseason. Yeah, um, yeah, those yeah. two really have to figure it out because I, I don't actually remember what the incident was, but I remember it happened, and I think Ariola had another weird moment, and I was like, "Damn!" Like he was having a good game, <laughs> mm-hmm. and now this has kind of put a, like a little downer on it. Um, but he was, was, he was commanding his box against Forrest, I thought. He had he had two or three really good punches, which can man. some they can sometimes be nervy moments. Yeah, on the on corners especially, he was yeah. going crazy with the punches. Yeah. Man, his reflex saves are just ridiculous. Like he's yeah, he's one of the fastest goalkeepers or quickest, I should say, goalkeepers. I've seen he's probably the quickest goalkeeper I've ever seen play for us, like by far. For sure. I mean, dude, like some of these, like these, the, he makes the ridiculous like save of the month candidates every single week at this point. Because you know the one that's impressed me the most recently, at least, is because obviously there's the one against Villa, but like I've seen Darren Randolph make that save. Um, but the 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 Everton, the one on one, yeah, Everton, the one, he gets down so quickly. Dude, he got down so quickly. Um, and you know that's. It's something that you can't teach. And, like, obviously, Ariel will have different weaknesses to Fabianski. There are reasons he's at West Ham. Like, he had his opportunities to make it at these big clubs. Um, I think his distribution has been good recently. I think he's perfect for a club like us who are, like, on that fringe of Europe. 
and like trying to stay in Europe and establish sure. ourselves because I think he is a European level keeper. Um, I think like if he can command his box better, even if he's not catching it, if he's punching it strong, and he can like figure it out with a Garrett, we're gonna see a really really good goalkeeper because he's tough to beat. When it just mm-hmm. comes to see ball stop ball, there are not many better. He keeps the ball out the net. It's my favorite thing about him. And he drops your draw every time. I I remember I remember I remember the first save that he made for us against um, Man United in the Carabao Cup. It was like a weird one because he like comes for the corner right. Like clearly it's like his first game. He's like trying to like make an impression. No reason to come for the corner. It gets like bounced around. It goes out to Juan Mata. Like, oh, I remember this. One. And he like comes flying from like the penalty spot to like jump and tip it over the bar. Bless you. To like jump and like tip it over the bar. And I was like, yo, like, why is he moving like that? Like, because <laughs> he can like he can move, dude. Like he like he jumps. Like he's a serious serious athlete. Um, mm-hmm. and then obviously the the Sevilla one is. One of the Sevilla one might be my my favorite save by a West Ham goalkeeper ever. Ever. Just in terms of like the ones where you're like, man. Because the other thing about that save that night, I I knew we were gonna win that game when he saved that shot. Because mm-hmm. was that was that at one that was at nil nil wasn't it? That was that was the I thought it was the second leg. That, yeah yeah yeah. I'm talking about in the game. Oh yeah yeah. It was it was early. It was. Was yeah, it was before it was before the Suchek goal, mm-hmm. and he made that save, and I was like, I just had a good feeling, and maybe I was deluding myself into it. Um, but they also had never had a foothold in that game. That was their only chance. They were terrible. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They don't want to do. They want to get through that Champions League group. They better pray because they don't want to see us. They do not want to see us again. Some bad memories at the London Stadium. I actually, if I'm being serious, I don't want to see them again. I want to keep that <laughs> that little thing I have the hold over their heads. I never want to play them again. As long as we're in Europe, I never want any part of them again. They're nowhere near as good as they were back then. They were really good that season. They were a problem. We were a problem. I mean, yeah, the the Kunde, all yeah. those guys. Kunde got wrecked by Antonio. Though. Yeah, they, uh, Kunde, dude, Antonio might be the reason he didn't come to Chelsea. Because <laughs> <laughs> why didn't that transfer ever go through? He, he was. Whew. Um, they had uh, they had Anthony Martial was on that team. It's pretty funny. What a what a fever dream that was. Yeah. Watching him play for Sevilla at the bowl. He that dude. He <laughs> always has a hard time at the bowl. That's probably where they lost that tie signing Martial because like I cannot remember a good Martial performance at the ball. He's he's like fine. He just he's always right. has, I mean he has a tough time. He doesn't he doesn't like coming to the ball. No, no he does not. Man, that set piece they scored in the first leg against us had me had me scared, had me horrified, had me Dude, petrified. Like it was it was the Paqueta moment that I was talking about earlier, and and that goal where I was like, man, we are like we might be fish out of water here, dude. Yeah, yeah, because that was that was the first the first knockout, and that was probably uh-huh. out of the three teams that we played, like and especially in hindsight, that was probably the best team that we played in the knockouts, for sure, um, for sure. Yeah, that set piece was like like we've played better teams than than Sevilla for sure, but we've not played a team like this. Well, w- when they did that. I was like, like, tactically, we might be in trouble. I was like, because I was like, well, this is like where we, we thrive on set pieces. And they they studied us, they found the weakness, and they exploited the weakness. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, this might be tough. And then Moyes, you know. And then it turns out the man, Lopetegui was the manager, right? Am I, am I right about that? Uh, I think so. Yeah, and like Moyes owns him. He sucks. Um Dude, the Vlasic missed chance in the, in the yeah. Sevilla game. The Vlasic missed chance. That, that was the end of the line for him. That was where that was literally his final action as a West Ham player. No, his his very last chance was um, Burnley at home, where he broke he the. He was playing. He's playing really well. Like 20, 25 minutes, he snaps the dude's leg, and he's just out of the game after that. Ooh, you got the sniffles. 
I guess so. I don't know. Did you, did, did you want me to not mention that the sneeze was about to happen? No, it's okay that you mentioned it. All right, that's cool. Um, I don't think it's common. Nice. But yeah, that was that was funny. That didn't yeah. be a tie. It it was wow. crazy. Um, feeling like a fish out of water in Europe, and like being like, man, or like, are we built for this? And then finding out so quickly how built for it we were, <laughs> like twice in a row. Um, we got that. We got that on every team now. We are, we are the experience. We are the European team now. Dude, and, and, and you know you can you can tell with us like it's it's we're very we're not really phased by these big cup nights and that's something when it comes to the Liverpool game that gives me real confidence because a quarterfinal at Anfield is not you know it's not too big for us it doesn't phase us like that's not anything that we haven't done before you know what I mean sure. like and like you know we have two big games on either side of it they have two big games on either side of it sides might be really rotated. Hopefully, I think that we should go strong because I think if we can get past them, Chelsea and Newcastle play each other, we have a really, really good chance at winning that trophy. And if I'm not mistaken, that's a Conference League spot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So you have you have to go for that. You have to go for that competition. And, you know, this team in knockouts, I'm very confident in. Um, the one thing that I am very curious for us to find out about this team is what we look out, what we look like in knockouts without Declan Rice? Because I think that's a big question. Is without Rice and with an aging Antonio who is not affecting European ties the way he used to anymore? Because uh, I think yeah. our biggest strength in the Europa League was that we had Rice and Antonio. You have that elite midfielder who's an elite ball winner and carrier and progressor, and then you have a striker who's just incredibly tough for these teams to deal with. They don't know how to deal with him. Um, and you know he might—he probably still has some big European nights in him. If we're being honest, especially if his legs are fresh, like take him to Spain, play a team well, from Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's see let's see Antonio out there. But I mean, we we we've already seen what we look like in a European game without Declan Rice, a European knockout game without Declan Rice. <laughs> You're gonna say because he ghosted? He ghosted? Yeah. He, he did. And and you know what, dude. And it will never be talked about because it doesn't have to be talked about. But for the sake of argument, you looked like shit. Terrible. <laughs> we were terrible. <laughs> we were terrible. Ugh. I mean, and you know, so were they. And it was, it was exactly what a one-off final is, especially between two clubs that haven't won anything for 43, 45, 47 years. Because I think they were 43 and we were 47, if I'm not wrong. It's like um, it's like it's it's like in the in the finals where like you're like oh like in game seven like oh Kobe shot like thirty percent like yeah exactly and like that's exactly. what he needed to win the game yeah like it's game seven like like think somebody's gonna like shoot sixty percent from the field in game seven no dude it's gonna be it's gonna be nasty and oh man it was gross and that's what it's all about and now that we have that experience I'm looking forward to going to Wembley sweeping Chelsea under the rug. Nice little 3-1 win in the Carabao Cup final. Be nice. Yeah, that 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 final in Prague, like like Paqueta like had like a like a twelve for thirty-three stat line. Dude, yo. <laughs> I, game I wonder. I actually wonder. I'm gonna look this up. Cause I wonder what percentage of his passes he completed that day, because he was terrible. You know what else was dude, terrible? Who? Amrabat. Horrible. He played a few switches, bro, and the commentators wouldn't shut the hell up about him. It's like, all right, man. Okay, Lucas Paqueta. By the way, our sofa score man of the match. The sofa score man of the match, Lucas Paqueta. Jared Bowen, 6.9 with a goal. Unbelievable. <laughs> he barely touched the ball. Okay, Lucas Paqueta, by the way, apparently completed 80% of his passes. That, that sounds so wrong. But he attempted 20. He's like... 16 for 20 passes, right? Two key passes. Okay. He looks like he played damn well here. I don't buy this. All right. Well, here's an issue, though. He gave the ball away four times with his passing, but he lost possession 12 times, which I feel like it's a little crazy. He's 17 ground duels attempted, nine ground duels won. 
That sounds like him. Jared Bowen, 26 touches, five accurate passes. But <laughs> the one very telling touch in that game. They gave a deck 7 seven zero. Yeah, it was a 7 0. It's propaganda, if you ask me. <laughs> Three tackles. I don't remember. <laughs> Suchek, bro. Seven accurate passes, 39% completion percentage in the final. Yo, that is disgusting. <laughs> and everybody talks about how bad Rice was. That is crazy, dude. Just disgusting. That is actually so insane. Emerson was the only player on both teams who was up for this game. That is insane. For real. For real. <laughs> that is so crazy. Dude, I forgot Fornalis came on. Oh, my God. No, you know who else was up for this game? Dude, no, 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 no. You got to hear this. Fornals came on in the 76 minute, so he played 22 minutes because that game went to 98. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> Zero for six accurate passes. Oh, my God. What is he doing out there? Zero out of three ground duels won. One out of three aerial duels won. What is he doing, bro? I can't believe he's still on this team. Like, it's like, what, like, what is this guy? <laughs> That's actually hysterical. You know who else was up for this game? Oh. Thilo Carrere. He, dude, he did a job. He'll always have Yo, my, my love and support. That is crazy. He attempted five passes in almost 40 minutes of game time as a center back. It's like impossible. So crazy. Yeah, what the hell? He was up for it, though. Came he on. Was, he was, he was. He came on, like, like low-key. Like Zuma just like walked off and he's like like better Dude, shooting the penalty. Do you remember we talked about this, bro? Zuma tried to sneak out of there. Like we weren't gonna notice that. Like I wasn't gonna notice that he got injured. Is he kidding me, bro? I noticed. I noticed right away. I was like, yo, I noticed I was like I was like, where is he going, bro? <laughs> like it's it's so perfectly West Ham that like he got injured in that final. Mm-hmm. And you know the funniest part about it is? We'll never know what it was. We'll never know. Do you know what he got yeah. hurt with? Nobody knows. He was out <laughs> celebrating like it never happened. <laughs> Dude. Because, like, if he came out of the – like, what happened? <laughs> like, how much time would he – like, w- would he have played next week if we had a game? <laughs> how long would he have been out for? He wasn't with, He wasn't on crutches. He – there was no talk of rehab. <laughs> He just went off, and he the, the ninety minutes passed, and he, he was okay at the at the end. Like, what is that? Like, that he wasn't in a boot. <laughs> wasn't in a boot. No crutches. No no limp. It's probably out yeah. till about four or five in the morning. He had the normal limp, but that that was it. That, that he's always he's got just, the limp. He's just just the normal limp. That's the Zuma limp. Zuma limp. Um, I guess that's a good way to end it because. If anybody can tell us what happened, what, what actually happened to him? What did he hurt? How long was he out for, quote unquote? And we'll have Kurt, we'll have Kurt Zuma on, on the on, on the podcast uh, next on week. next week's episode. Uh, his tell all about his experience in the Europa Conference League final. He he really tried to come off like nobody was going to notice. It's like it's crazy for him to try and sneak off like that. Yeah. Um, Time to break the silence. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, you can find our blog at hammering-away.blog. The Twitter account is hammering underscore away. The Instagram is hammering away underscore. And the TikTok is hammering dot away. As always, I've been your host, Jack, with Joe. Um, you know where to find us on Twitter. The ads are always in the tweets. Hyper, hyper, hyper.